Ha ha ha! Jeff McVicker. Yeah! If the city of Camarilla and the status quo in this town have an official persona non grata shit list, Jeff McVicker is not only on the list, but he's also public enemy number one on it. It seems Jeff is either dearly loved or dearly hated in this town because he's always going after our local politicians trying to make them accountable. When it comes to writing letters to our Camaro City Council members, city clerk, city manager, city attorney, etc., McVicker is just like gravity. He doesn't stop. Not only does McVicker write the status quo letters, he posts the letters and information that he gathers on our local government, such as YouTube videos. He posts all this to his Facebook page, Camaro Concerns which has around 5,000 followers. And after he posts, he engages in discourse with one and all to try to achieve some kind of transparency in this town, which we've seriously lacked for many years. Camero Concerns is the best form of information Camero has had since we lost the old Camero Daily News. Jeff by trade is a forensic auditor, so it's no accident that he follows the money in town, and it's no accident that he's damn good at it. Developers, Special Interests, the Camaro Ranch Foundation, the DeSalter, the old firehouse debacle, the courthouse debacle. Jeff informs us all through Camaro Concerns. And since we don't have a newspaper that'll cover this city, Camaro Concerns comes in real handy. That said, let me uh, give you, let you in on an inside joke. If you know who Jeff is, and you see him around town, do me a favor, will ya? Tell him to get a haircut. That said... Here's Jeff McVicker and give give a listen. Then is it abortion? Yeah, he's very inconsistent, that's for sure. So, uh, what are your credentials? Uh, Camarillo, how long you lived here? 35 years. Grew up in the valley. Uh, back when it kind of looked like out here, believe it or not. And uh, uh, moved out to Thousand Oaks, uh, late teens, and then... Bought a house when I was uh, 25 years old, back in the day. Wow. So, been here 35 years. And what do you do now for a living? Uh, you know, I'm an accountant auditor, and uh, I had spent close to 20 years at Blue Cross of California. Uh, and uh, then I switched over. My, my role at Blue Cross was as an auditor and... Uh, in the fraud section for the Medicare program. Perfect for the Camarillo City Council. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, I went to the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office about uh, in 2002 and uh, been there ever since. I actually retired uh, three, four years ago and then uh, been working there for a couple days a week uh, as more of a consultant role at this point and all about healthcare fraud. So is it safe to say you're semi-retired? Semi-retired, but, you know, Camarillo makes it a full-time job. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure everybody will be, uh, listening would be jumping at the bit to hear what you have to say because, uh, you know, you run Camarillo Concerns, and what, uh, what made you decide to start the website? Well, what happened was, uh, you know, for all the years that we lived here, me and Lori, essentially, you know, we didn't pay much attention to what was going on at City Hall or anything else. So uh, Just like everybody else in town. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, you got uh, 
20 people really worrying about it, even at this point. And uh, so anyway, uh, she was a volunteer out of the Camarillo Ranch. And uh, there was a lot of improprieties going on. This is about 2011, 2012. And uh, uh, me and Lori tried to uh, get things uh, straightened out over there and uh, started to ask a lot of questions. And nobody seemed to want to uh, answer any of those questions. And so uh, we kept fighting, fighting, fighting. And... Uh, you know, there's a paper trail and at Citizens Journal and at the Acorn writing letters to the editor and different things between those two publications regarding the Camarillo Ranch in those early years. And uh, that was kind of the start of everything. Uh, then in 2014, the whole issue we started to, I guess people noticed that we were uh, being, you know, more of an activist. Uh, in the city, and so people reached out to us and talked to us about the uh, Yolanda Cooney uh, settlement and uh, the the lawsuit, and that involved Yolanda Cooney was the uh, human resource person for the city of Camarillo, and the city council effectively tried to hide everything about that settlement because she the part of the settlement was she was listed as an employee of the city. She was paid a regular paycheck. She was paid all her benefits, everything else. And, uh, but she was also required never to set foot in City Hall or work at City Hall anymore because uh, that was part of the deal, that she was going to be paid for a certain number of years until she reached retirement age. And, uh, uh, Plus, there were settlements from an insurance company, and the city never disclosed any of this settlement stuff because of the way they handled the Brown Act and being in closed session. And so... Uh, and this is our money. Right, this is our money. We're still not sure exactly how much money she was paid those salary years. It was about three years, I think, two and a half, three years. She was on medical leave for a long time. Uh, she was... Uh, like I said, paid a lump sum by the insurance company, right? And and so we think it's six hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars. And now Fang was a city manager at this time, correct? Right, right. And so, you know, there was all these personnel issues inside City Hall uh, that were going on. In her lawsuit, she points the finger at him, points the finger at other people, um, and. Uh, you know, it was just one of those situations where other people left City Hall that were employees, longtime employees, and they just walked out never to return because it was kind of a real toxic environment. And you can argue who made it toxic. Uh, the one thing Yolanda Cooney had going for her is, um, and, and maybe the city didn't, is she was the wife of the city, longtime city manager Steve Cooney of Moorpark. And so he had been, he, he, you know, he knows his way around oh, how yeah, the yeah. cities operate so too. Interesting conversations at dinner time. Well, you know, there's actually meetings with the city managers for the, all around the county. So that must have been some interesting meetings having yeah. Bruce Fang and, yeah. and Steve Cooney in the same room together. Yeah, fun time with the water cooler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so that was kind of like we were we were trying to get that out in the open, you know, the 
Acorn didn't want to hear anything about that. You know, very trying to drag it out in the open. Um, they, you know, we, we were, it was explained to us, you know, how the city operates by going into closed session. They're supposed to, when they reach a settlement for a lawsuit like that, they're supposed to come out of closed session and say, we reached a settlement and it's going to cost us X number of dollars or, or whatever the settlement is. And, uh, they say, well, there's a, there's a thing in the Brown Act where you can go in and reach a settlement, mm -hmm. but then say, you know, we'd like this little wording changed. So it's not really a settlement until it's changed after the, the meeting. And yeah. And so then there is no meeting anymore. The, the mayor at the time, which was uh, Charlotte Craven, she signed the document, you know, five days, 10 days later. So it was never disclosed to the people. And of course, I didn't know anything about this little brown act shenanigans. They said, oh yeah, that's, that's the way things are done yeah. so that keep so the, that they keep, don't have to disclose anything. Right, keep the skeletons in the closet. Right, right, right. right. lock on the door. Right, right. So that was kind of like, you know, you, you really kind of become cynical when you see the games being played. I remember when it finally came out, I think in the Acorn, uh, uh, Charlotte said, gee, I didn't realize it cost so much money. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wait, wait a minute, you were there, you were inside. Right, you, how, how come she didn't know? Yeah, you know, but, but it is confusing. Like I said, we don't know the exact amount of money because the way they kind of uh, have different pots of money that we're paying her over, the, over time. So, um, but, uh, and then, of course, no one's held accountable. Say so whoever was, you know, they're paying her off, you know, a substantial amount of money. And it's like, okay, well, who's at fault here? Well... We don't know because it never becomes public. Nobody, no one's held accountable. It's never been disclosed. Yeah, you know, so it's just other than you get to see the lawsuit that she filed and you go, okay, she points the finger at a bunch of people, you know, even beyond Bruce Fang. And then, but you don't, the city doesn't, doesn't take any action against any of their employees that were accused. So, oh, well, I guess, you know, that's the way the game's played. And, of course, we have no newspaper to report this. You know, you can't count on the acorn to do it. And you can't count on the star to do it. I mean, hell, I mean, the star, you can't even get the baseball scores until 48 hours later. Right. I mean, the star is just, you know, uh, years ago, I I spent one, one uh, summer working at the News Chronicle up in Thousand Oaks, uh, which was a Scripps newspaper like... Uh, the uh, Star Free Press was, and uh, you know they had a really robust, you know, newsroom, and you know guys that were all over Ventura County. There's none of that anymore. It's just you know it's a shadow it's of its former self. And uh, the Acorn, you know, my perception of the Acorn is that uh, it is a mouthpiece for City Hall, and it tends to you know write articles on one side and not get input from any yeah. opposing people. Right. And, and I think Daniel, who's the editor, I think he thinks, you know, my perception is that he, uh, he thinks, well, I'll write this one piece uh, of whatever. And then if anyone disagrees with it, they can write a letter to the editor and that'll show both sides of the argument. 
but I just don't think that's very... That's uh, not good journalism. Right, right. That when they're writing a story about something, whether it's the DeSalter or whether it's the Voting Rights Act stuff, they should get both sides. I mean, there are people frustrated in, in the city of Camarillo. Hence the term balanced. Right, yeah. And that's what they teach you in journalism. I took journalism, and the first thing that Star Hunter taught me, who used to work for the Star Free Press back in the 80s, is, hey, you got a story. You write from you, you, you let the public know on both sides of the coin. Right. You show heads and you show tails. Well, it seems like what all that Daniel does at the Acorn is just shows basically heads. There's no tails. Right, right. And, and you know, he writes these editorials every once or twice a year saying what a... You know, they really get in there and they're really, you know, they're, they're really journalistic, you know, showing both sides of the article and, uh, or the, uh, of the story. And uh, it's just not true. You know, I mean, uh, it's, it's frustrating when you see it that uh, it's not balanced or whatever. Um. The, I, I will tell you that I think the star did step up late in the... Uh, uh, or, or a month or two after the whole embezzlement, Fiesta embezzlement. And I got to give credit to Mike Harris, who's working the Star Beat over in Simi Valley now. But he interviewed me, he talked to me, he, he did give both sides of the whole Fiesta embezzlement. And that was what, 2015? 2016? That, that, the, 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 the disclosure of, that the embezzlement occurred. I believe the embezzlement occurred in 2014, like in the summer of 2014, the year of 2014. And then the, the Fiesta board discovered it in early 2015. And that's when all the shenanigans, you know, what I think are the shenanigans, where they all kind of just, uh, hey, uh, we'll keep this under wraps. Uh, you know, Morgan supposedly went to Monica McGrath, who was the police chief at the time. Mike Morgan, our former counselor. Yeah, Mike Morgan. And uh, he, uh, it was like one of those meetings where they're meeting about something else. And, and as Monica McGrath explained it to Lori, it was like in passing, hey, we might have a problem at the Fiesta. And uh, she said, well, I need all the information or whatever. And then they were together at another meeting a few weeks later, a month later, whatever, and uh, she asked him about the situation at the Fiesta, and he just said, oh, it's all been taken care of. And uh, that was it, or whatever. So when the acorn broke the story, and in late February of 2016, but the way I had sent them, I had gotten the, uh, a copy of the anonymous letter sent to me, Right. And I believe that was because I had written a, a letter to the editor in the Acorn back in like May of 2015, where I was questioning why there were no uh, tax returns for the Fiesta. Their nonprofit, nonprofit tax returns are public, they're online. And there had been no tax returns for a number of years for the Fiesta. And so, you know, Somebody must have saw, seen that, that had all this information. And so I don't know how many people got copies of the letter that went to Julia Brownlee, but uh, uh, I got a copy of the letter 
I turned around and I sent it directly to the acorn. Just landed in your mailbox? Just landed in my mailbox. And, uh, uh, and you know, it was early, I think early in February. I think the letters dated the end of January, but, but I, got, I got it like, you know, the first week of February, a couple of days in February. And uh, I've never been able to figure out if anybody else got it besides myself. People claim they got it, but I've never, no one has ever told me there's very specific information in the package that's never been disclosed. And nobody's ever been able to, uh, uh, or never, when I've talked to people that supposedly got the letter, they've never brought up issues that have never been publicly raised. So, you know, I just, everybody wants to be the guy, but <laughs> you know, the you're insider. The, you're the guy now. <laughs> and so anyway, I sent it on to, to Daniel over at the Acorn, sent it over to the editors at the, uh, at the star and uh the star was just silent you know with both papers they they never really come back to you and say thanks or anything like that it's just kind of like a black hole and so that's the way it was until i i saw it uh i think it was like february 25th of 2016 something like that um when the acorn wrote about it they wrote about rob capellini the embezzler and they specifically focused on him and one of the interesting things is they did not bring up the anonymous letter. They did not bring up all the claims that were in the anonymous letter. Um, the, the letter was written very, uh, you know, almost like somebody was trying to hide their writing style. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it was very, uh, almost just a very poor writing style. They just take we take a scissors and just clip little letters. <laughs> no, on the no, paper no, no. It was it was <laughs> it was it, it, it was typed and everything, <laughs> but it was just just uh, uh, they claimed to be a city employee. That's never come out, uh, and uh, you know anybody that uh, you know was close to the fiesta that was a city employee. I understand they've denied writing the letter, so that could have been a, just a ruse to you know push push dirt. There were particular emails in the package that were written to Fiesta board members. And so it was somebody very close uh, inside, if you will, the Fiesta, because they had these these emails that were, were going out to all the different board members of the Fiesta. And, uh, you know, both the Acorn and Star never, never really, they, they didn't touch that with a 10-foot pole or whatever. But it really looked to me like an insider. It sounds to me like the reason why they didn't uh, go after any specifics outside of Capellini is because uh, they don't want to get any hot water with the status quo. Right. I mean, I, I think, you know, and that's 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 my main criticism. How the Acorn handled it is like, wait a minute. There's a bigger story here. This anonymous letter. In the anonymous letter. The person who's writing it claims they're really frustrated because nobody at City Hall will do anything about this problem. That, you know, Capellini stole about $25,000 or whatever it was. And uh, Mike Morgan's, you know, claim was, well, he was trying to get that money paid back. It was either pay the money back or the guy go to jail. And we wanted the money back. We needed the money. So they had set up a payment plan for him or whatever 
But, you know, the whole problem is, of course, here's a, here's a guy that's stolen something, and if he's not held accountable, then he might wander to the next nonprofit and do, the, do, it, again. do it again. And so uh, he... Uh, it's just like if you steal money from a gas station. Are you going to pay it back? You right. don't. I mean, if you're not held accountable, you just go to the next gas station and still rob that guy. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and, and and that's, that's that's it's like you go out and rob a bank and then you walk out of the bank building and say, oh, I've decided to give the money back. You well, it's too rob, late. We're too still late. Rob the bank, whether you got a gun or not. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, but it's all about, you know, keeping things quiet. Uh, if you remember, uh, Mike Morgan was running for supervisor in 2016. And the, he always ran for supervisor. Uh, yeah, and he always lost too. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and and he, you know, the 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 first thing that came out of their mouths was, well, this is a political, you know, vendetta. Somebody's going after, you know, this is a, this is a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the most interesting article that the Acorn, I, I really told Daniel, I thought he did a great job, was, uh, uh, I think Stephanie wrote it, the article, but it was an article. I think it was in May, April or May of 2016, and it went back to the other council people and said, hey, when did you, what, what do you think of this whole embezzlement thing? And it, it, that was the most insightful article because, uh, you know, like Bill Little, who was the mayor in uh, 2015, he, he had said, I heard something about that, but I didn't follow up with it. And and I'm thinking, wait wait a minute, you know, where's your intellectual curiosity? Yeah, yeah. You're the, the mayor, or is you don't want to know? Yeah. I mean, what? Come on, Bill, you know. And and then uh, Jan and uh, uh, Craven were more. It's all about the winch hunt. It's trying to knock uh, Morgan out of the supervisor's race, and so they were like, you know, Craven was like saying, I wouldn't have done it that way, but you know, it's not my call because I wasn't there. You know, she was kind of more uh, circumspect about it. And that's such a chicken shit excuse because Mike Morgan ran for a supervisor for what, like a half a dozen times? He never won. Yeah, I so think I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not like this got him. This alone kept him from winning. Right, right. But it was the handling. Uh, and like I said, Mike Harris came in uh, from the star and he wrote some really balanced articles quoting both me and quoting Mike. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, to me, you know, it, it showed how screwed up things were, that, that uh, uh, you know, Monica McGrath was removed. You know, she said she was uh, retiring. Uh, now she's back after Jeff Dean stepped down. Um, you know, but uh, Lori had talked to her. She was very honest. She was very upset. The... The um, McGrath was very honest. Yeah, Monica McGrath. She was. Um, Lori called her up. She answered her own phone over at the you know sheriff's uh, station, and she uh, uh, the Acorn had written an article that had that that had explained Mike and uh, Monica talking to each other from Mike's point of view, and uh, they never went to Monica. And asked her, well, what happened? You know, what's your view of what happened, right? <laughs> and and uh, well, when Lori talked to her, Monica was like, man, you know, I can't believe they put that in the paper. 
without talking to me. Yeah. And 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 to me, that's like, you know, wait a minute. If if you're having a converse, if you're if you're describing a conversation between two people in the paper, you better damn well have the views of those Interview two people. Interview the other person. Don't make right. them a silent partner. And I believe I I forget who it was, but it was even secondhand. I think because the description that Mike talked to her. I think was given by the Fiesta president at the time or something. And so it was all this kind of convoluted, well, really, what happened here? And uh, I think it was completely unfair, Monica, Monica McGrath. And uh, they, after Lori complained to Daniel over at the Acorn, then he went and got, you know, the next a week or two later, he, he got her viewpoint. But it was too late because... Yeah. because it made it sound like she was an integral part of covering up the fiesta, really? at least to me. Yeah. And that you know she, the way she described it, it was just this passing, which I get completely. Yeah. You know, somebody says, "Hey, uh, there might be something wrong here. We might need you." Okay. And then then you know it's it's described differently when it happens or whatever. Uh, so anyway, it was at that point, you know, like I said. The Acorn did write a great article in April or May of 2016. Uh, you know, for instance, we wanted, Mike was the mayor in 2016. Uh, he should have been removed by the other councilmen. Right. Just because, you know, this wasn't handled right. And, and they would not, they would not address it at all. Right. And what gets me is, see, he, at that time, he had been in the city council or on the city council since like 1980. And right. you know, how long has he been running? Had he been uh, up at that, up until that point, how long has he been running the fiesta? And unless you'd gotten that anonymous letter, hell, this could have happened a dozen times before. We just never knew about it. You know, I heard, I heard a story. And what, you know, what other shady things has he done? Yeah. You know, I've heard other stories about losing money, you know, during the fiesta and stuff. And you just wonder, you say, I never heard that. Nobody ever said anything about that. Yeah. And you just go, oh, whatever, you know? I mean, <laughs> you know, there's no way to prove it one way or the other. And you just go, you know, it, there's, you know, like, for instance, the concerts at the park that Jan ran. You know, McDonald's. me and Jan, me and Jan McDonald, yeah. Uh, she She's an accountant. She knows how to control cash. Mm -hmm. She had all the the rules and regulations down you know i would never think that there would be a problem She's with got her the tools yeah she understands she you know i questioned her she you know sent me private emails and said this is what i do jeff this this and that and you know i wrote back to her and said hey that's great or whatever i just wish the fiesta would would have those controls right we don't know any controls when Roy Villa was the head of the Fiesta in the er earlier years, uh, the chairman or whatever, you know, like in 2010, 11, whenever it was. He had all the cash controls, like you needed two signatures to sign a check over $500. Mm -hmm. Well, that would have come in real handy when Capolini was stealing the money. That's right. And, and so Roy says, we had that in place. Somewhere along the line between Roy leaving the fiesta and when capellini was put in charge that got changed yeah and so <laughs> funny how that happened yeah and and so you know it's like i wrote and wrote and said hey we need to understand 
what happened and what changes have been made. And Mike is like, well, we've made changes. What, what are changes? They? What are they? Right. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, and during the time, Suzanne Kitchens, who's on the school board, the PV Pleasant Valley School District, she was the treasurer for the Fiesta. Yes, and yet, you know, I've seen a, uh, the board minutes of the Fiesta right after the whole thing broke publicly in March of 2016. And, and she says, I had no control over the checking account. She had no access to the checking account. This is, and, and so you go, well, well, okay, what's going on here? And, and, and why didn't you? You should have been reconciling cash on a monthly basis. Supposedly the embezzlement occurred for seven or eight months. And, uh, so it's like a little bit here, a little bit here. A little right, bit. right. A lot of, lot, of, uh, lot of different checks for different things that really weren't being bought. And, uh, <laughs> the, and, and so, uh, you know, the, all that was going on. And if somebody had been doing bank reconciliations and, and saying, hey, where's the cash? Where's the, everything going on? They could have caught it. Right. And do you, do you know or have any idea what Capolini's occupation was? You know, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't remember. I just remember seeing his picture in the paper. You know, he was no spring chicken. Right. Yeah, he was an older guy. I mean, he was and, in his late 50s, I think. And I just figure that... Uh, you know, you have to be fairly comfortable with yourself in terms of getting away with the crime to write that many checks over that long a period and think to yourself, well, I'll, I'll get away with it. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be 16, 17 years old and, you know, steal a couple gumballs here and there and not get caught. But after, you know, you do it for six or seven months, sooner or later someone's going to pick you up. Right, right. I mean, that... That just shows you the cushion that he thought he had to not get in tr any sort of trouble with his hand in the cookie jar. Right, right. And so I, I just bet this has happened time and time again in the past, and it just it was never disclosed. Right, right, and 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 it's it's just it's one of those things where you just it's disappointing to see that nobody, you know, Mike Morgan was a parole officer, a federal parole officer, and he knows. He knows how it should be. Right. Well, he tells everybody he's a cop. Right, a former right, cop, right. You which know? is not... Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, know. Uh, uh, you know, parole officers aren't exactly, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, he makes it sound like he's dirty hairy. Right, exactly. And then, you know, so, so uh, um, you know, it is, it is just completely frustrating that he didn't do the right thing. Do you feel lucky, Capolini? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, punk? You know, oh, and, and, and I'm 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 glad that the uh, the DA stepped in and said, "Hey, it's our decision, right? Whether or not we charge." And I think Capolini got house arrest for six months or nine months. But you know, that's not the really important thing. The important thing is he has a record. He people know about him, uh, and uh, he he won't have a chance to do this again. Well, hopefully, whoever takes his place won't have a chance to do it again. Well, you know, and that's that's always, you know, that was what was so frustrating is Mike just, Mike Morgan just said over and over, oh, we fix that, we fix that. Well, what did we fix? Right. Who knows? Who knows? You know, and, and the rest of the council never held the, him accountable. And they could have said, Mike, we want to talk about this. We want an agenda item. We want you 
to publicly disclose. After all, it is the public's money. Yeah, part of it is the public's money. And, you know, it's funny because when the first, um, when the first Acorn article came out about the embezzlement, and, uh, you know, the first thing online was like, hey, you know, this could be public money. And, and uh, uh, Bruce Fang said, no, 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 this, we, we don't give them money anymore, cash. We give them in-kind services, you know, where we supply the different things they need for the fiesta. And uh, so they don't get any cash. And we, we, ha- we didn't pay them anything for 2014 or 2015. Well, luckily, we had requested from the city months before the actual cash payments to the uh, uh, Fiesta. And right in the middle of August 2014, I think it was it was like $9,000 check that the city had sent for a couple years previous of actual cash. And so there were, there that was city cash that was sitting in the bank account, part of it, that was taken. <laughs> and, and it was just like, you know, I don't know whether Bruce Feng knew that or he's just spinning. And saying, well, hey, we haven't paid him for anything in 2015. But it's very frustrating, you know. But that came out, too, that, yeah, they did pay money. Uh, actual cash went into the checking account. And uh, that was that was taxpayer money. Well, was, uh, what's the latest that you've heard on Capolini? I haven't heard anything about him. We don't, we don't know if he's here in town or he skipped town or... Nope. 